Welcome to Working Process, conversations with Black women working in, with, and around clay about their work and process. An audio offering by writer and ceramicist Gabrielle Ion Hickman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Working Process. I'm here with Basila Noah, um, and she's someone whose work I've admired for um, a while, ever since I first saw it at Body Vessel Clay um, a couple of years ago. So really excited to be in conversation with her today. Um, and I'll let you tell people you know, about a little bit about yourself. Hi. Well, thanks, Gabriel. Thanks for having me in your podcast. It's very exciting. Um, so yeah, my name is Isila Noah, and I was born and raised in Spain, and I am half Spanish, half from Equatorial Guinea. And I've lived in London for the last 10 years after having lived in different places uh, from in Europe, in the US, etc. And so... Well, this conversation is focused mostly around my practice as a ceramicist, uh, which is something I've been doing, let's say, officially since 2017, although I started when I moved to London. Um, but then along with it, I am also involved in different projects that combine kind of like creativity and arts and social justice uh, from the London LGBTQ Plus Centre in London, um, Design Can, which is a platform to make the design industry more inclusive and more diverse, and other organizations. Yeah, I love it. And we definitely, definitely want to hear about all of that too. Um, so my first question is just like, when or how did you first come to clay and when or how, right? Did you know that clay was a medium that you were really like committed to in your, in your artistic practice? Everything started when I moved to London. So one of the reasons why I wanted to come here was because I felt there was something in me that I needed to explore. Like I didn't study arts at university. I studied translation, which is very creative, but very different to working with my hands, etc. And when I came to London, a friend told me, well, I'm doing a pottery course, so maybe you will like it. And I just went to a session and it was just a magical, you know, like that moment of like touching the clay when I was sitting on the wheel and how it grew in my hands. And the guy who was running the session kept yelling, being like, you're clay, you're clay, you're clay. <laughs> and so everything was a bit like, oh, so overwhelming. And um, yeah, and then I just loved it in that moment. And since then I started going to different evening courses uh and classes and then at some point that I was stuck with the job that I had before like an office nine to five I decided to take some time off London I quit the job I got into a residency in Italy then I traveled to Madrid and then to Mexico and then the truth is that then everything just happened I never I never consciously said I want to be a ceramicist full-time or this is like what I am going to do now. You know, I'm quitting this job and this is what I'm doing. I just left something behind. I went on on a journey to explore and things have just been growing naturally. Yeah, I love um, that like kind of commitment to like being in the moment and letting the process be the process and seeing where it takes you, but also like you know, the intuitive wisdom and understanding that you had to access to be able to make, um, right, to like take the pottery class, to move to London, to let things just flow. I think that's really, really beautiful. 
Yeah, like right now, it maybe it looks like in hindsight, it looks very, yeah, you're saying beautiful or wise. So, uh, but at the moment, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. I was so anxious when I quit my job and I left because I was like, oh, um, but everything has worked out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that saying, leap in the net will appear. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear. Um, more about your working process so you know when you're working on a piece or a collection or yeah just like how do you what's your process of like communing with clay coming to a work are you throwing are you hand building are you sketching are you just free-flowing yeah I would love to hear about that uh it's it's changed dramatically in the last couple of years and I feel like now it's changing again a lot um and so you mentioned sketching, like I can't draw, uh, I'm terrible at it. I just cannot. And at the beginning, um, I was trying to do it, but I would not connect with what I was drawing. It wasn't coming, it was coming, I think, from an intellectual place rather than from like within me and that intuition we were talking before. And two years ago, I went randomly to this other artist's house, um, uh, black woman here in London who invited me to see the first ceramic pieces she had ever made. She's a well-established multidisciplinary artist, but she had never used clay before. And when I saw what she had made, I was like, this is exactly what I need. You know, like a very uh, playful, um, naive to a degree way of dealing with clay. And I ran to my studio after I hang out with it. And I started just like in three minutes making something. And all of the things that I really wanted to make were coming up. So right now my process starts with those little um, sketches actually that are made out of clay. And they were on display on body vessel clay. I don't know if you remember out of porcelain Mm -hmm. so um, I feel like when I want to embark on like a new project or evolve a shape or something that I've made already I go back to these clay sketches and and at the moment now I've been looking for instance a lot into like dance and choreography and textiles and like all of the movement from like clothing when dancing and then when I sat when I see and and work with the clay it comes up, you know, three-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. And then what I go is to, like, I translate that into a bigger piece, which maybe is completely different, obviously, but there's the, um, kind of like the core elements of, or like the very deep nature of what I'm trying to convey is still there. So right. that's at the beginning, kind of at the beginning. And then at the moment I'm, I miss throwing and coiling. And that is very purposeful. Like I started doing this in 2020 because for me it's a way of um, bringing together two worlds, if we like. Like the throwing would be what is considered more advanced, more technical, like what men do, you know, and like uh, progress. And then hand building would be like what women traditionally in, in the global south, you know, sitting on the floor in communities with the children all together would use. And therefore that is what throughout our history has been ignored. So I mix them because I want to put them on the same level because that's the way it is. It's just pottery and there's different ways to approach it. And and I quite like, I like throwing in what it brings to me as a process and the focus. And then I really like hand building and how it takes longer. It can be fixed in a way and it's a more intimate way for me to work with the clay. Yeah, I love that because when I first started working with clay, 
it was very similar. I took some nighttime pottery classes and I started on the wheel. And then I went on a residency to Oaxaca, Mexico um, for a month. So I like I went to London to see body vessel clay. And then I came home for a bit and I went to Oaxaca for a residency. And when I got back to my studio, it was like I couldn't throw anymore. There was just something right. Like the muscle memory was still there, but none of the pieces were sort of making sense or coming out like what I saw in my head. And I had been so curious about hand building um, before I left on the trip for similar reasons to you, right? Like, you know, I'm really interested in the African ceramics tradition, you know, rooting my practice in, in those methods um, and like ways of making ways of being. And so I was like, I'm over this. I'm just going to coil build. And, you know, it took, it was like so intuitive, right? Which isn't to say that like my first coil built pot was amazing, but it's just to say that like it inherently made sense to me, I think, because it's like, you know, within our, um, our, our DNA almost, I, I feel like, right? Like it's within our ancestry, it's within our heritage. And now I almost exclusively coil build, mostly just because I'm a bit nervous to go back to the wheel. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it's gonna, how it's going to work out. Um, so I, I, I definitely sort of relate to, you know, the, the journey of like where you start and then kind of, you know, building your, your practice and seeing what influences you and what you're drawn to from there and how that leads to the work that you're doing um, today. Where were you in Oaxaca? Um, I was I was at Poco a Poco. Mm, um, yes. I did an, I did their independent study. Yeah, nice. um, last April. Nice. Yeah, it was yeah. really really great. Mm. It was really great because you've also a part of your trip, right? Italy, Madrid. You also went to Mexico, Morocco, yeah, to other places. Yeah, yeah. And I was in Oaxaca. Yeah, mm. but I was uh, nice kind of like moving a bit more independently I was volunteering for an organization called Innovando la Tradición kind of like innovating traditions and they work with different potters from the whole of Oaxaca and so through them I was translating for them and just doing bits and bobs and then I through them I was visiting different local uh, potters so I would go to their houses and hang out and just see how they made and yeah it was amazing yeah that sounds amazing. I would love to hear too, right? Because you mentioned that you studied translation in school. And I think a lot of what we do as artists, right? Whether it's like you said, you know, you're looking at dance or textiles movement, right? And then translating and transmuting that into clay. I would love to hear about, um, yeah, just like how you think about translation in relation to, to you know, to your, to your practice, to your work. Mm, this is actually something very new because I... I studied translation and I and I work as a translator for a bit and then writing has always been in my life and because I love it, but it has been in the last couple of years that it has become a very important part of my practice in the sense that because I'm developing more like conceptual projects where there's a lot of storytelling is a really big part of them. Um, writing is kind of like this, the final piece of the puzzle, you know, um, and then through that, I've started talking again about my being a translator. So it's something that I wouldn't use before as part of my identity, if you like. But now it's coming back and I just love it because I think like for me, translation is like 
one of the most hidden, important and beautiful creative practices that, that exist. And, and what I like and I love about translation, it is what has actually shaped my own, the way I am and the way I see the world and the, and the things that I'm interested in is that idea of learning a language is not just the words, it's about like diving into a culture you know, diving into a way of um, understanding society and relating to people and, and, seeing, and seeing the world. Um, so I feel like that's exactly what I do with my, my play, like with my practice. Mm-hmm. Like I love yeah. traveling and seeing how people engage with clay and, and those histories and her stories. And also what is the politics behind it, you know, and, and how can I translate that into an object that then I can make other people see, you know, what I've seen or understand what I've understood right. and, and bring people together. Um, so I feel like I really am maybe still a, trans- I'm still a translator, but I'm just using a different medium for it. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think of it too as being like a conduit for you know, what wants to come through from, you know, the spirit world or from family histories or from, you know, the land that I'm on. Right. And like taking that, translating it, transmitting that into clay. Yeah. Um, so you're definitely still, you're definitely still the translator. <laughs> um, I would love to hear as well about how you're right. We were, we're talking about travel. We're talking about translation. We're kind of talking about land and, and, and these different things. Um, how does your heritage, right. And where you're from, you're also now based in London. You also travel a lot. Um, how does that impact your your practice? And I'm thinking specifically about the is it Bonnie the Bonnie Clay um, project? Bonnet. Bonnet, the Bonnet Clay project. Um, but you know, of course, anything that you would want want to share. Yeah. Um, so Bonnet is the dad where the dad, the village where my dad was from in Equatorial Guinea, and my parents brought me clay from there many years ago, and I never got around using it until 2020 I think it was and I made this project that was the first main conceptual collection talking about identity and politics etc and one it really changed my practice and it really changed how I approach it and what I really want to focus on and how I want to move forward in terms of my making and also how I made, because that was the first time that I was combining throwing and hand building and also different clays and foraging clays, etc. Um, but then also what I've realized this year is how instrumental that project was in terms of my own journey um, as a woman, you know, because I talked about my being mixed race and how uh, being in between those cultures and how that idea of mixing, which I, I always use in when I'm making, uh, kind of like comes across. Um, but the truth is that I went to Equatorial Guinea again in April. Right? Like the first time I went was mm-hmm. in 2010. It was the first time my dad was back after 30 years. We all went, it was our first time. And I think that trip was kind of overwhelming because it was a new place. I felt rather out of place and it was this moment when I was like okay I'm in Spain and I'm, I'm not considered Spanish and I'm here but I'm also not from here and it's like where am I from blah 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 um, 
the second trip after obviously like 10 years on like I'm a grown up a bit more of a grown up person having done a lot of work around my own identity my own blackness and then in particular having worked the soil of that country of my country you know and, and having written about it and, and made work about it I landed and I felt like I'm at home mm. you know and I have developed a beautiful relationship to this half of me from the distance through the clay mm-hmm. um, and it was truly magical to be there after having done this project um, so now I don't remember what your question was, but definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, you know, just how, to, like, how does your heritage, how does where you're from yeah. um, and influence, influence your practice? Well, definitely, like, one, like, it, it influenced, I feel like it's a, it's a two-way thing. Like, it influenced what I was making, and now the making is influenced also my own sense of identity and belonging mm-hmm. um, and sense of self and, and pride, you know, about who I am and where I come from. Yeah. And then I think also because I am half African and because I am a feminist person, a feminist woman, I have a very particular interest in what I want to talk about with my work. I want to talk about, I want to give visibility to other women like me, other women of color who have been ignored throughout history, etc. So that's <laughs> where it all come from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you also have been researching Equatorial Guinea ceramic traditions? A little bit, because when I was studying that project, the Banay Clay project, I wanted to make shapes that were like from there, you know, kind of to celebrate that practice. Um, but then I couldn't find anything. And when I was talking mm. to people, people would be like, well, I don't even know what you mean by pottery. Um, mm. So for that particular project, I started looking at, at other African um countries uh and like other making groups uh, yeah tribes etc um and then it was through this last and i kind of like parts it i was like okay well nobody can help me really nobody knows about this thing i cannot find anything and then it was this trip again that one of my uncles was taking me to different cultural centers and like cultural spaces etc that i kind of like I saw that there is a pottery tradition. It's just that because the country has like islands and a bit on the continent and we come from the main island and there in particular, it seems that there might not be that much. I, mean, I don't know, I need to read more. But then in other areas of the country, there, are, there is a tradition. So if I go beyond my own tribe and my own kind of like small village where I come from, then there is there is certainly is like a pottery tradition. Yeah. Right, right. And... Is that because the soil is different on the island where your tribe is from as as opposed to the the soil or the land on the on the continent? This is the conclusion I I kind of like arrived to myself because there is a volcanic island. Um, and so when I was using the clay on its own, it will crack. Um, mm. So that's why I also was mixing it with other clays and the concept of the project, etc. So it could be one of the reasons. The amazing thing is that since... I started asking one of my uncles, like, do you know anything about pottery there? Blah, blah, and he was like, no. But then going to the land, to our family land, where we call it pineapples and like, you know, like mangoes, etc. cetera. He, would, he had been finding objects mm. that they had, they had been throwing away because they thought it was rubbish. Mm. And then since I told them, they have been keeping them like, maybe this is 
pottery. So then they gave me some pieces when I was there last. And then with someone in my studio who is an archaeologist, we're going to analyze it and see if it's actually ceramics. And then we can actually see like from which time, etc. So that's Wow, yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's really exciting. And I'm so jealous that there's someone at your studio that's an archaeologist who can like know. time, you know, time date this for you. That's amazing. I know. And it was because I posted it. I didn't think of him. And I posted it on Instagram. Like, if anyone can help me with this, please let me know. And someone else from my studio was like, Tell Sacher. And I was like, Oh my God, Sacher. It's just that, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. This project also led you into your searching for. Um, Kwame Kaka project, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sort of, you know, I don't want to say started, right? But I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just wondering about, right? Like, who are your um, sisters, mothers and grandmothers in clay? And right, like, you, you know, you're, you, you talk about wanting to um, give attention to the women who have been ignored. Um, and so just like, how do you think about your relationship, right? To the women who worked with clay before you, who are working with clay today and also, you know, who will continue to work with clay all over the world, you know, for, for, for millennia to come. Yeah. 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 It always started with that one because uh, when I was looking at shapes for the projects and I couldn't find anything from Equatorial Guinea. And so I was looking at other places and I was looking at it like very superficially because I wanted shapes that would tell a story you know that's why I chose mm. kind of like I call them womb uh so idea of like clay as creator and women bodies as creators um so it would be a moon jar in essence and then when I was going through images on, in, on online Pinterest whatever like going through books then I saw these two-legged vessels and I was like well this is perfect this is my two halves coming together and and that was it. I kind of like, quote unquote, use the shape. Um, and then it was afterwards when I was looking at it again to kind of like revisit it and be like, how can I evolve this project? That's when I realized that the photo I had seen was from Sotheby's website where he said mm. that the piece had been sold. There was a name, Ivory Coast, but then there was no information about her. And then I couldn't find any information about her. And that's when I was like, okay, so this is, like, what's happening here? You know, like we, like yeah. this, this work has been sold. Someone has been, made money out of it, but the the person, the story, and this life has been discarded. So that's when I, I started trying to find out more information about her, and I found I found a little bit. The amazing thing is that I got a grant to travel to Ivory Coast. Mm. So I'm organizing a trip to go to her village, to talk to people there, to oh, visit yay. hopefully other pottery communities uh, around the country. And yeah, and then hopefully turn into a book, uh, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. it's all at the very beginning of it, but I'm really, really excited because this is actually what I really want to do with my practice, you know, like co combining all of what we're saying, like more the traveling, the research, the women have stories that have been lost and then doing something with it. Yeah, that's really amazing. Congratulations on getting the, on getting the grant. Thanks. Um, I love how you're merging, you know, research with clay, with writing, you know, with all of these, right. It's really giving multidisciplinary, um, which is so, so beautiful. And just the, you know, the intention, right. That you're putting um, into, into your, 
into your work. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're, you're definitely welcome. Um, I would also write, so I first encountered your work at Body Vessel Clay um, and would just love to hear, you know, what was it like being in that exhibition? Um, any, you know, thoughts, reflections, right? That was about a year ago. So just, you know, in the year since, right? Like, what is it meant to you to have been a part of that? I mean, that exhibition is the best thing that has happened to me, I think. Um, the whole process was um, kind of like terrifying in a way. I'm uh, mm. very exciting because I was invited to be part of it. And then I was told by Dr. Jerry, that's the curator, like, you're going to be in a room with Madalena Dundo and Ladi Quali. So you are kind of like the hinge, like the joining between the tradition and today so what are you gonna make and I was like all right <laughs> that's quite like a big break right like no pressure yeah exactly um so the whole process of making and also the conversations with the curator that was something that I hadn't done before um I felt a, a huge sense of responsibility of having to make something that would be at the level of all these two other women, you know, that two of my idols, you know, and I was fine. I was right. sharing the space with them. So I feel I had to be at the level. Um, and then the whole thing, it was just mind blowing, you know, from the space, actually the, the venue, you know, how mm -hmm. it was used and coming in and seeing that it, big image of uh yes. Lali welcoming everyone yes uh, so I, i'm getting goosebumps like it's so powerful and then yeah like being in that room with their work like madeleine madeleine Odundos and um and, and uh it really changed the, my perception the perception i have of myself like i think i started then seeing myself as an artist you know it was the first time my work was being exhibited in a non-craft space, you know, mm. part of a narrative along with also, I mean, in the contemporary side, like some of women that I've admired, like for a really right, long time, right. you know, I, I really feel like, how have I landed here? You know, like, so tough to be in that space. Um, and it was also like a really big encouragement, like to continue doing what I, what I, was to win um mm -hmm. so i have like the best memories uh, from, from that exhibition and i really miss it like sometimes i i think i don't know like i wish we could see that exhibition again or that i could see it again yeah yeah i just you know remember walking in and being so right that similar sense of feeling welcomed by the the p massive image of wadi quali but then um just seeing the different pamphlets and all of the different vessels. And I, it, for me, I was at that point um, almost a year into my clay journey when I went to go see that exhibition. And I was just like, you know, the studio that I've been working out of um, is not necessarily the most diverse space. And so I had been looking for us, right. Looking for black women in the medium. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's here. And like, right, I knew that it was here. I knew that it existed, but it was just such a, I was like, I, I want to study all of these, you know, women. I want to have conversations with them. I want to learn more about this tradition. And I think it was just such a gift um, that, that we were all given um, to, to, to have that, that exhibition and everything that was surrounding it. It really made me feel like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a space, there's a tradition, like, 
you know, this has been happening and it will continue to happen. And like, there's a place for you um, here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think for us, uh, definitely. And I think for, for the history of uh, British ceramics, um, such an important moment as well in general. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to circle back because I'm curious, you know, we talked a lot about how your your blackness, your Africanness, your dad's side influences your your pottery and your practice. I'm curious how being Spanish um, as well shows up in your in your work. Mm. I think it was showing more at the beginning. Um, mm. The very first projects that I was doing at the beginning were more around this from one that I was using a, a lot of uh, needlework and combining it with clay. And it was kind of like these two Spanish traditions, let's say, like from like needlework um, and pottery that both are being forgotten, you know, and young people don't want to engage with them because it's old fashioned and it's ugly and that's my grandma's kind of thing. Um, so by bringing them together and creating something more contemporary, I wanted to make them still relevant. And then I was also looking at another project at the Botijo, which is like a Mediterranean drinking vessel, like from like, it's like Roman Empire, possibly, I don't know. Um, and again, it's this thing where uh, it's used mostly in summer because because the clay is porous, you put water and it keeps it cool. So thinking mm-hmm. about all those ideas of sustainability, etc., you know, and all of this progress, but we have this object that is, functionally incredible but then because it's ugly no one uses it so I was trying to kind of like rethink the design um but I feel like that for me um the miss I've like I've always been because how can I say this being brown being a, a woman of color in a white environment what I needed to search what I needed to embrace what I needed to um, celebrate was that blackness, you know. So I think that that um, that is how things have come up with my making because through also my own uh, journey to embrace my own being a woman, you know, and the power of it, you know, all of it. Then I discovered black feminism, and then that's how things have evolved. And right now, through like another separate journey. Um, that my sister and I are together to connect with our ancestors on both sides while connecting more with my mother's side. Um, so I don't know how that will evolve, you know, but I feel like for me, the first step was that, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not white, you know, and it's right. something that I grew up thinking that I was white because I was surrounded by white people. Mm. And, and it was when I was at uni that someone was like, stop straightening your hair, you are black. And I was like, what is she saying? Is she talking to me? Like, it's kind of me. Um, so that's how I've evolved and my work has come with it. My work has enabled it. And then I, as I continue growing, because there's so many questions, marks really always to kind of give answer to where we see. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned black feminism. Um, and I know that, um, Alice Walker's in search of our mother's gardens was, was a part of the, um, searching for Kwame Kaka project. Um, but would love to sort of just hear about like how black feminism has influenced your growth as a person, your, your work. And also, you know, if you have any kind of like foundational or like sacred, you know, black, black feminist tests, Text mm. like books that you're always referencing and, 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 and coming back to? Well, the very first one I read, and it was 
2016 uh, was Angela Davis, uh, what is it, Black Women, Race and Class. Is that the title? Mm-hmm. Women, Women, Race, race class. class, yeah. Uh, and I feel like, because I was in feminist circles, always being the only uh, non-white person, that I've read that book and I felt like a bit like what you were feeling or you felt when you went to Body Vessel Clay. I was like, okay, there's more to it, you know, and, and this is my experience and I can relate to all of these things. And that's when everything started for me. Um, in terms of other books, uh, things that I've read actually recently that have been really impactful is from um, um, Audrey Lord's um, her biography, like Sammy, uh, that's not the spelling of my name, that mm-hmm. I love that, but also because... As a, someone interested in words, you know, like other laws, like writing and like her poems, like everything is yes. fantastic. And and this year I'm, I've committed to mostly read biographies. So I recently read the biography of um, Asata Sakur, mm-hmm. who was uh, one of the founders of the Black Liberation Movement, Black Panther. And it might, it might not be related, but it's this kind of like stories that fill me with power you know and I'm mm. pride and be like we're here for something you know and we have all of these people coming like all of these women all of these generations all of this energy behind us and that is what I carry you know and um yeah so this in terms of things that I've read recently and now I kind of think anything from before because <laughs> I'm always reading something but um it's just like finding it's been instrumental in in finding the community, you know, like even if it's intangible um, and being, feeling uh, entitled to feel powerful, I think, mm. and feeling that mm. there's a story, like there's, there's a heritage, you know, and I'm part of it. And, yeah. and also the fact that um, the feminist movement has been pushed by like women of color you know it's just like we've been told that we are on the sideline we've been not allowed to be in there but actually we've been pushing for all of these things historically yeah. always you know um from sojourner truth like i, 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 I was I, just well, gonna yeah, say yeah, that exactly. i was just gonna say that <laughs> i was just gonna say that so it's just yeah 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 i yeah i love that right like black black feminism as giving us permission or right the ability to feel entitled to feeling powerful if that's not like the best kind of like tagline right that you could give it I don't like I don't know I don't know you know what what is um and I love what you said too about it helping you feel less alone right like these are books you know like unfortunately like Audre Lorde's passed away we'll never get to meet her right but like we can engage with her through the through her words, mm. which is just like such a, such a gift. I'm also a writer. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have like, I don't have some neat bow for that. Right. But like, I just think that it's such a, it's a beautiful, it's a really, really beautiful thing. Mm. I agree. Um, kind of like, you know, starting to sort of wrap up. Um, but I'm so enjoying this conversation. Um, I'm wondering just like, what has your clay practice taught you about, you know, yourself, about life, about art? We've kind of been talking about this the whole time, but um, yeah. So many things uh, from 
I used to be very clumsy and I still am clumsy, but you know, I'm just learning to be like more gentle, you know, and careful and also being patient. And because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes time and then also things break, you know, things mm-hmm. don't work out. And it's, and, and that is life, you know, I'm being like, okay, so I'll make this again. <laughs> and it's okay. Um, definitely very helpful in, in that sense. And then, what I've learned, not necessarily just the making, but the the the, the pure acts of um, starting something of my own that is very personal, you know, like my own projects. Um, I used to be very competitive, you know, and that came mm-hmm. from a sense of insecurity because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I hadn't found my, my own voice, my own niche, however you want to call it. And in that competitiveness and feeling kind of like precious about what I was doing and jealous uh, that that made me not kind of like connect to people properly or deeply and the moment it was actually like through therapy but obviously like via the clay and what I was engaging with that I was like what am I I doing you know I'm wasting my energy I'm wasting my time and then in, in the last I don't know four years or so that I've one grown to know what I'm about, you know, and even if someone that's exactly the same is never going to be the same, it doesn't matter. We have we're different people, we have different energies, you know, and, and learning from that place to share, to be generous, you know, with other artists, with other practitioners. And then like I have developed like the most beautiful friendship, you know, and like a support network through that. So that has been a really, really big learning. Um, and then in general, it's just the power of art, you know, mm-hmm. to engage with people. You know, like the thing I love the most about poetry in particular is that is, I always say this, you know, it has been with humans since forever, you know, millennia. You know, we all share it. And the me going to in Mexico, you know, and hanging out with women in Oaxaca that I, I don't have uh, kind of like a priori, like anything to do with, but then we share it. You know, because we yeah. are just basic human beings, you know. And when we were in Morocco and we couldn't speak Arabic, but we were sitting with that woman, with Amaisha, and we were talking through the clay. And it's just that humbleness as human beings that we lack generally, you know, and, and that awareness of our shared humanity. That's something very beautiful that Pottery has taught me. Yeah. Um is there anything, I mean, you mentioned therapy, um, but how did you sort of come around to write like what your, what your voice is and, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to say. And there's room for, for, for all of us. Well, I think it's just kind of listening in, you know, like going inwards, you know, I, I, in 2020, I felt that I, what I needed to make was something in particular and I did it you know, and then that led to something else. And I was like, I really need to do this. And I did it. And I think it's like following that path rather than what we are seeing around us that other people are seeing and, and kind of like pursuing someone else's uh, success or perceived success, mm. you know, because we only see what we see. We don't see beyond um, what is portrayed out there on Instagram or whatever. Right. So I think it's also understanding that it's ever evolving. I am at the moment right now that I'm trying to make something new, something different with thousand influences of all of the things that I've seen. And I'm, I'm like, 
I don't know. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I feel like it's back to a square one, obviously with a lot of like mm. uh, baggage and experience and everything, but it's, it is over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to, for me, that what I was saying, like sitting with the clay and making something pretty quickly. What is coming out of me? You know, if I close my eyes and if I just feel it beyond what I'm seeing mm-hmm. that uh, another 20 people are, are making and they're selling, you know? So I think it's like, it's always a constant evolution and it's about just looking inwards and being truthful to that authenticity yeah yeah um so we've, we've kind of right we just touched on this like clay ceramics um it's a medium that has this real longevity um and like you know the vessels the objects that we're making can last for centuries for millennia you know for forever um and so i'm you know wondering right like when someone you know pulls up a a vessel from somewhere thousands of years from now and it has your name on the bottom right like what do you hope um what do you hope to 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 leave behind (laughs) oh that's a big question well i hope they like it you know like when they touch it it feels wholesome somehow and and i hope they can engage with it somehow, you know. Um, and obviously, if the internet is still existing, that they can find my name and they can engage with the story. Right, right. <laughs> so they yeah. can understand what the object is about. But because that, we don't know if that may happen or not. I feel like if someone, you know, when you touch something made of clay and it just feels nice, you know, the weight, the way it kind of like it fits with the body. Uh, I love holding my clothes like as if they were babies and it's not. So mm-hmm. if someone feels that, then that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, what forms do you want your practice to take moving forward, right? I know that you've been integrating plaster on pieces. You're starting to, you're working with bronze. You also you know, are a writer, you're an art activist, you talked about this grant project, like, yeah, what are you looking forward to? What forms do you want your your work to take? Um, I would love to be able to play with uh, a range of materials, you know, I would love to one day play with stone, Uh, I don't know, I would like to, in my head, I would love to be that kind of artist that works with a range of materials and integrates them and blends from, from, kind of like the different properties that they have and brings them into the other and etc. And it's, there's always that element of play and curiosity. Um, and definitely I, I, for me, like I want my writing and all of that research part of it to be really important, you know? And sometimes I say like, I have the feeling inside that I'm not going to be making forever. You know, I know that it, that it is going to be part of mm. what, what I do, but that it might change. And maybe it's changing in that direction. I don't know. Um, It's always going to be present. I just don't know how. Uh, Right now, I would love it if it was, yeah, through writing, research, documentary, kind of like thing and traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like this grant that you got is the perfect. Mm, Yeah. It came along at a perfect time to do all of that. Yes. Um, So a couple more like lighthearted, fun questions. What's your favorite clay body, your favorite glaze, 
And then your favorite tool. Okay. And then I have one more. So my favorite clay body, I would say terracotta right now. My favorite glaze, none. <laughs> I don't like them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've stopped using them like some years ago. Do you... Do you do any like sealing or anything though? Yeah. Or okay, I was gonna say my favorite tool is a stone, a stone that I got from Mamaisha in Morocco when I was there because we learned to mm-hmm. burnish with stones. Right, and I brought some right. with me, and this one that I use is good for coiling to kind of like finish the coils, but then also for burnishing and uh, yeah, that's yeah. But do you do any sealing with like terra gelato or like sesame oil or anything? No, okay, no, just a clay. I love. Mm. yeah I love that um and then what are you like reading listening to watching or enjoying right now outside of your clay slash studio practice so reading I'm doing a creative nonfiction writing course and right now I'm reading this book that is fascinating it's called A Ghost in the Throat and it's about a woman like an Irish woman who starts I mean it shouldn't be related to pottery but it is but anyway uh, she's researching no no it's fine it's fine anything you want to share <laughs> so she's researching an Irish poet from the 18th century so this is her and like the writer um alive you know having children and I don't know being a mom blah blah and then at the same time getting so obsessed with these boys and trying to find out as much as possible about her life um yeah and then the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm trying for a triathlon (laughs) so that's it is actually however terrifying it's also I think it's giving me a lot of energy and and a sense of purpose that all of the other things that I do don't give me and feeling very well in my own body and just yeah I'm feeling pretty great thanks to it (laughs) yeah I love that I'm not trying for any triathlons (laughs) but I do try and go for I do try and go for my hot girl walks at least a few times a week (laughs) gotta get you know gotta get outside um is there any well tell everybody like where they can find you um and if there's anything you have like coming up that you want to share um yeah, this is your this is your like shout out. Shout out <laughs> so they can find me on Instagram if they look for Bisilanoa. Um and then my website is bisilanoa.co.uk. And at the moment I have an exhibition in Bordeaux, a gallery rebel. And it's a group exhibition, it's a very exciting one because it's about how people, how a bunch of artists were approaching materials and the politics of it and gender and all of these things that I love. Um so yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me. I I really enjoyed this conversation and look forward to, you know, just seeing how your practice continues to grow and change in in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Working Process on your favorite listening platform and find us on Substack for transcripts, photos of guest work and other offerings.